Hey all, my name is Blair Sinta. Welcome to the podcast, Recording Drums. Today I'm talking to the UK-based drummer, Samson Jato. Uh, I hope that I'm pronouncing that right, actually. Samson Yato, perhaps? I didn't clarify with him. Anyway, um, I discovered Samson uh, through Instagram. We just started trading messages. I loved his videos and the sounds he's getting. He's He's got a great feel, great pocket. And, um, you know, we just kind of you know, did the Instagram thing, trading messages. And eventually I asked him if he wanted to talk about this. And, um, it was really interesting because he said, I'm not sure I have much to add, man. My, my thing is so minimal and I'm so new to this. He said, but maybe I can provide like the cheapest way or easiest way for drummers to get into recording. Uh, and lo and behold, he really had some interesting, um, things to say about how he got started, uh, recording himself, why he started recording himself, um, the space that he's in, uh, space he does all this stuff in, which is super small, compact, and some of the super creative ways he is um, finding ways to get bigger sounds in in a really incredibly small space. Um, so super inspiring conversation. Uh, really fantastic dude. Um, if you know if you don't know Samson, he's played with Kylie Minogue, Dia Lupa, Now, uh, James Arthur. Um, so, you know, he's really making his way around UK, London, you know, working his way through the scene. Um, yeah, super great, great dude, super inspiring talk. Um, as always, my courses are for sale. I am here for lessons, recording tracks too. If, uh, engineers are out there, producers, I'm available for tracks. Um, you can find everything through my website, blairsinted.com. It's all right there. All right. Let's check out Samson. Great dude. I actually don't use Ableton. It's definitely something I've wanted to yeah. in the past. I actually use Logic, Logic yeah. X. Um, right. Just because I'm familiar with it. And I don't know, I feel like when you get sort of um, into something, it's quite hard to make that transition to, you know, like another another DAW. But uh, I'm okay with Logic. To be yeah. honest, you know, it's one of those things I wasn't actually particularly good or interested in actually it was only when i started wanting to record myself and record drums i okay. kind of had to learn how to use logic okay. you know, properly um okay uh, but okay. yeah but i know like a lot of people who i know people who are happy recording drums in ableton and, and it's great for them obviously i know a lot of engineers use pro tools and i've seen just from stuff i've done in sessions with people and engineers and watch them mm-hmm. do stuff on pro tools it's super impressive what they can do really right. quickly right and I, and I know just from looking at logic you can't quite do i think you can do the same things but maybe just not as quickly or as good i'd say but it's I, working for me so far yeah i think they have their all they all have their own kind of like niches of like what what you know ableton definitely has some very cool things in it yeah you know, my, my experience with recording live things in Ableton is that it doesn't sound quite as good. Okay. It's been a few years since I've actually tried it though, and they beat it. So maybe maybe they've maybe it's better. You know, but yeah, yeah. To me, like acoustically, coming through Ableton, there's just like a sonic thing. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and I think, like you say, they're definitely used for for different things because yeah. live, you know, Logic is just it's not really the one. It, it doesn't. It's not reliable, but Ableton seems to be amazing live and yeah, um, and Ableton goes so deep with people putting video through it and and exactly changes and sound changes and like yeah yeah, yeah. and and when it comes to recording, it just seems like Pro Tools just seems to be the one you know. I mean, it's definitely the staple. But man, I, I got to say, Logic is pretty pretty mainstream. At this yeah, point. yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So did your so it's funny it's funny to me that you you know when I hit you up you were like man I'm kind of a newbie I don't know was it like a pandemic thing or or, or do you know what um, the stuff so, you're doing sounds killing and I you know I obviously noticed that on Instagram I was like wow this is dope you know your shit uh, so thank you know. thank you um, for me um, I've always been into recording and. Um, in terms of, I've always just wanted to work with different artists and get involved in, you know, uh, writing and recording with them. But I haven't had, you know, like a ton of opportunities because a, a lot of my work has been live the last, you know, 
since I've been working in music, which hasn't been that long. It's been about 10 years or so. I've mainly, you know, obviously just been mainly playing live. Yeah. And whenever I've gotten the opportunity to work in a studio with people and, you know, underground upcoming artists, I've always just enjoyed it, always asked loads of questions. Yeah. And I've always felt like, you know, it kind of works well with my playing because live, you know, um, I would, I'd say I'm more of a groove based drummer and I really love music. I really love playing a song. So playing live, um, working, you know, the, the artists I tend to work with, they tend to want and expect that because that's the reason why they've, you know, obviously got me to yeah. play on the gig. But yeah. obviously there are a lot of acts who, and, you know, musical directors who maybe want more. And yeah. that's never necessarily really been my thing. So okay. I've always felt like I prefer to be in the studio where that discipline is a bit more yeah. respected, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and then um, there's another artist I work with called Neo, who's an amazing R&B artist. She's actually done quite a few American tours. So that's actually brought me to America quite a bit. And I remember it was around the time she was doing her second album. Um, around that same time, I, I thought I wanted to start recording myself just because I just wanted to hear how my plane, you know, was sounding. Okay. So what I, I basically, um, going back a bit further, um, <laughs> my whole background in terms of playing drums was mainly playing in bands when I was in school. So yeah. I never really got that true chance to practice properly. Okay. I was almost kind of practicing in rehearsals in my school band or whatever that or my college band. Yep, yep. And then I sort of started, you know, finished university and all of a sudden found myself in like a professional situation, okay. working with professional artists. And I rented out this garage near my area because um, there were a few drummers who were renting out the same garage. Uh -huh. And it just had a, a drum kit in there. It had no power, just had like battery powered lights. And I just ended up renting there just so I could basically practice. Yeah. Because <laughs> I hadn't really done. That's in London. Yeah, that's in London. Yeah, that's where I live in London. And, you know, within a few months, this was back in 2011, 2012, obviously I noticed a massive difference in my playing, being able to really focus on things, you know, solidly. Yeah. And fast forward after that, um, a few years later, I ended up becoming become the main tenant at this place. So it essentially became my space. Okay. And I started wanting to record myself. And okay. this was back in 2017. So I've got a Zoom H5. Okay. So I don't know if you've ever used one of those, but it's just a two-channel okay. recorder. Um, and it comes with like, you know, it's a little handheld device. Is it okay if I quickly go? I yeah, think I've got one with me. Let me go get one real quick. Yeah, cool. So... I got myself a Zoom H5. Um, this is a Zoom H6. Oh, yeah. So that's what that yeah. looks like. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you've yeah. seen that. So this is the H6. So I eventually graduated to this. But <laughs> <laughs> so I started off with the H5, which just yeah. had two external mic pre's. Yeah. And then it had this connection here for the, you know, just yeah, condenser mics there. Those things sound great. They sound really good. So I started off with that, just recording myself. And then it's so funny, obviously, when you start listening to yourself, you're like, okay, what you think is sounding good actually doesn't sound that good. Yeah. And, you know, there's, I always say sometimes to people, I think you sometimes kind of get fed that line that, um, you know, if it feels good, you know, it, it must be good. But actually, when you record yourself, sometimes what feels good doesn't actually sound good. Yeah. And those those little micro things that you yeah, think exactly. in the moment you're like, yeah. Yeah. And then you realize actually it needs to sound, it needs to sound good rather than feel good. And eventually I think when you get used to how you're sounding, yeah. you can get comfortable with how that feels. And then that can start to feel good when you have confidence that, you know, that's actually sounding good. Yeah. Did so, that zoom did that zoom start to give you a awareness of sonically how you were sounding too? Yeah, like it really um like really highlighted just my general balance um dynamically between my limbs. Yep. Um and just consistency. If I was the first time I used that, I remember I, I was quite harsh on myself to be honest, because I was working on a particular exercise. I think I was doing like a bass drum exercise. So it wasn't altogether there anyway. But sometimes when you're practicing these things, I think you think you're 
getting, you know, you're getting it better than you actually are. So when I listened to myself in the recording, I was like, okay, it's really sounding really weak. And, um, <laughs> and like the dynamics weren't really there with the bass drum. And yeah. then, um, you know, two weeks of doing that and you notice the improvements and you're like, actually, you, you, you can really improve your yeah. actual playing if you really constantly just yeah. pay close attention to what you're doing. Yeah. And then I think it must have been a month later, I got a like a Beta 52 and an SM57, okay. plug, plug that into the thing and then started really trying to record myself properly. Okay. Um, you know, a bit better basically. Yep. And then, um, yeah, yep. as I was saying, so were you like, I've just put it on the kick and snare? Like, was that kind of the joke? Yeah, I just had it on the kick and snare. And then I used the two condenser mics to use them as like overheads on a stand. Basically. Oh, no shit. Oh, so that could take two extra mics. That could take two extra, the H5, yeah. Oh, that's so, um, Okay, wow. It's really cool. So you basically have four channels. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so then I noticed, you know, my, I felt like my recording was um, getting a bit better. And then as I mentioned, this artist, Nao, I ended up recording one of her tracks for her album in a not um by myself but in the studio okay. okay and again i was sort of trying to pay attention to what was going on in the studio and i felt like at that point i was starting to get better at recording because i was yep. starting to really hear and know how i'm sounding and like how to approach it so much um, of it is just internal balance man and if you could yeah i'm sure you made an impression because you were already practicing like that listening like that so when you went into with a real situation yeah exactly and i, I noticed after a while, I felt like, because um, I had been in recording situations before, but typically it felt like it, it would take longer to get to where I, I wanted to be or where the engineer or the producer wanted to be in the track, which is fine. It's typical, you know, sometimes you go into these situations, literally just being sent the track in the morning yep. of the day you're meant to be at the studio and it takes a while to sort of get into the flow. Yeah. Um, and even still, if you've had the track for a while, sometimes you might not just get it right until you're just with the people there and them sort of guiding you through the, the song. But yeah. I yeah. found once I started recording myself more and more, when I was getting into these situations, I found it a lot easier to sort of get straight to the point in terms of where I felt the song needed to be. And that happened to be where, you know, maybe the engineer or the producers um, felt the song should be going as well, which is right. cool. Right. And then, yeah, I think I probably used that H5 for about a year. And then that's, and then I've got like the H6, which is like a, uh -huh. a navigator. I'm just kind of mentioning all this just because it's really easy for like young drummers to really yeah. just start recording yourself. And well, uh, it's, it's interesting to me that you can have the stereo, you know, you know, overhead or whatever, depending yeah. on the length of your cables from your 57 and your 58, you could do a lot with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's it, this. So eventually when I've got this H6, this adaption, adapter comes off uh -huh. and it comes with a mid side mic so you can ah. use that one on, instead of top you're deep and in then, it <laughs> yeah and then after that i realized um you can get a nav adapter okay which is this okay. and then that gives you a nav two external um xlrs so now you have six channels um six xlr okay. mics that you can put in so then after that that's when i was going kick, snare, rack, floor, and two overheads, or two kicks, two snares, two overheads, whatever I wanted to do. Yep. So I was doing that for a while, and then- Wait, 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 wait. hold up. Yeah. So you had to put that in something else, though, if you wanted to edit. Yes, yeah, so initially with the H5, I was kind of just using it for practice. So, yeah. uh, it, you know, I was just using the SD card, and I just listened to my recordings on the actual device, or- yeah. I'll chuck it, very, you know, to be honest, very quickly, I'll just chuck it into Logic. Okay. And then after a while, I realized, oh, no, actually, let me just use the USB, plug the H5 or the H6 straight into my laptop. Oh, wow. And then just record, obviously, straight onto Logic there. Um, and at this point as well, I was still obviously just recording for myself. Yep. I was really into yep. it, so... Right. Whilst I was still touring, I'd spend most of my time recording in the studio. Yeah. And then just before we'd go on tour, I would record a bunch of stuff. Um, even if, for example, I'm in, I'm rehearsing for a month now for this tour. Yeah. Um, I would usually, what I'd be doing is at the end of the day, I'll take my H6. Mm -hmm. And when everyone's gone home, because obviously the, re the rehearsal's booked to, you know, lockout. 
Yep. Uh, but we might go home at six and yep. I'll just stay, unplug the XLRs from the snake and just plug them into my H6. Okay. And I'll just record in a rehearsal studio. Okay. So, and I record a bunch of stuff. And then when we'd go on tour on days off, I would literally just be on Logic and just be editing all my drums and so just, just trying to do loops and samples and yes yeah at first it was just it could have been me playing to music or yeah. it could have just been general beats okay and fortunately i was always obviously you know around people in my camp and the crew who were engineers you know like front of house engineer the monitor engineer so i was fortunate that these are all really nice guys guys that would call my friend yeah and literally just show it to them just you know ask okay what do you think of this what do you think of that Okay. And um, what can I do to improve this? And they'll give me loads and loads of advice. And so some, a lot of it was at this point, at this point, it's really just, you're trying to get it into logic so you can tweak sonically work on exactly. EQ, work, understand compression. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to learn all those things, learn how to use compression, learn how to use EQ, yeah. learn how to use reverb, um, learn how to get my drums in, you know, better sort of phase relationships and stuff like uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, all of that again, a lot of a lot of that stuff really aided me um, live because yeah. I felt like when I was on tour, I found it so much easier to describe to the monitor engineer what yeah. I wanted in my ears. It was very easy. All yeah. of a sudden, they will love you I, for that until you get to the point where you <laughs> where you you're asking for certain frequencies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you're getting too cheeky, then yeah. you know, I think there's a limit. Yeah. But being able to just you know say, oh, actually, you know. Or that, that gate could be a bit looser on my kick drum or yeah. my snare drum. Yeah. It's actually really beneficial, beneficial to everyone because yeah. um, you know that mix can be passed on to everyone else, and they can actually get a you know a sound that they might be looking for as well, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. And the communication um, is just easy at that point instead of yeah, exactly. Instead of like, hey, some something's weird. With my kick <laughs> yeah, drum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something's weird. I don't know what's going on, or yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really think that helped me. Um, live it also helps me playing obviously in the studio and live yeah, yeah a lot so yeah i was doing all of that kind of stuff and you know then... also also like the balance thing you know you start to even you know the live versus studio thing even though you're probably playing a little i, I would, I'm, I'm guessing you're playing a little more out in a live situation yeah still thinking about that balance because you have a sense of that internal balance and yeah. the front of house guy loves you like way more exactly yeah, yeah. yeah just making sure that signal you know for an example that's coming through the snare is nice and strong and you know the the balance between that and the hi-hat you know means that they have control of the snare drum yeah they can do what they want to the snare drum yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and the hi-hat the hi-hats aren't you know all over that or yeah, yeah. whatever or in the overheads it could be or whatever you know just so the overhead balance is really good which is yeah a lot of the time could be the main could be the main mics yeah, you're um, smashing, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it actually affected a you know how I hit the symbols a lot because when you're in the studio, you can't smash the symbols. You can't smash the ride symbol. Nope. It's just it's gonna destroy your recordings basically. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of affected how I was playing live. Even though I guess when you're playing live, you can get away with that. Um, but it, it still affected the way I was hitting those symbols. Okay. And I think people appreciated that at least in the in the rehearsal room. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, not deafening everyone. So, so when you when you once so you would record a whole bunch of stuff and you'd be you'd tweak on the road and then, th- I mean, did you, do, are, do you are you selling that stuff like? No, so so at that point I was just posting on Instagram. Okay, um, just posting videos, and to be honest, for myself, I was just using it as almost like a diary just to see my progress. Um, from a recording point of view mainly and also from a playing point of view, but mainly recording. Yep. And I could just see as the months were going by, I was getting better yeah. at, you know, re- just the recording itself and getting the raw files sounding good and then also just the processing and trying to make it sound, you know, good and meaningful and purposeful depending yep. on what I was going for. Because yep. yep. um, I think initially when you start doing that thing, it's easy to sort of get lost just doing anything but actually i think it's good to be a bit more purposeful and maybe go for a sound which is something you know some of my engineer friends told me they said oh you should really think about what you're trying to do before you either record and also before you you start mixing to don't just put on compression yeah. for the sake of compression you know why are you compressing 
right. um, why you EQ and make sure there's a purpose to it. So I felt like that, you know, yeah. really helps. It sounds like you really put yourself on fast forward, man. Like, like, well, it's like your curiosity just diving into this world, but it sounds like your progression must have been. Well, it felt like it was getting quick, but actually, so uh, I was doing all of this and then obviously the pandemic happened, which is kind of crazy. So um, I was, you know, quite busy leading up um, the few years leading up. And then it was February 2020. I just finished um, a tour in Australia. Obviously, we had already been hearing about COVID. Yeah. And then got back home. And then within a month, it was, you know, getting pretty hectic. And then I was still going to my studio because I had my time off and I was just dying to get back into the recording studio just because, you know, playing live is amazing, but, you know, it does get quite static. You're playing the same thing every single night. And I really enjoy it. But uh, in, if anything, I was more enjoying the traveling, meeting different people and stuff like that. They're different um, energies, right? It's a creative energy versus a... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I'll be away for four or five weeks at a, at a time, and you know, by the third or fourth week, I've run out of drum loops to mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> I want I want to get back home asap and start recording. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, the the pandemic happened, and then um, I was trying to record more, and then I just thought I just went when I say went through, I didn't do anything drastic. I just thought, oh, let me just upgrade my gear even more yeah. before things yeah. get a bit crazy. And I was thinking, you know, it could get a bit crazy, but I just thought maybe it's not going to be fine. And I just thought, let me just get another interface. So I got a Focusrite um, ATI20, which is not like nothing special, nothing fancy. But obviously this has eight channels um, and it's a proper interface. It can do a lot more than my Zoom H6 and the the preamps are much better quality. And then I got a... um, just the uh, ADA, um, ADA 8200 um, ADAT to plug into that, just to give me another eight channels. So then I had 16 channels okay. um, to mess around with, which is really cool. But I have to say the whole thing was basically, it's quite a bit of a hustle because like I said, my garage doesn't have any natural power. There's no power. So well, this is my, still the place you're in. This is still the place like, I'm in. This, where, where I'm in right now is a garage. Okay. And it's just been basically the person who had it before built a room basically in the garage. Yep. Which is um, very small on Instagram. It's re- it's, it is very small. <laughs> okay. It's like literally, okay, if I try and describe the dimensions, it's literally like, it's basically a booth. Um, okay. The ceiling, so the height is maximum. It must be about six foot. Okay. And then... The width is about, I would say, is about between six and seven. Oh, wow. And and the depth is five. So it's about, yeah, six, seven, five. Okay. Really small room. I mean, room. it's literally a practice room space. It's a practice room space. And I've literally just put some curtains around, okay. um, foam, a bit of foam on the ceilings, um, yep. just above the symbols. Yep. And to be honest, it kind of, you know, sounds pretty good in there, to be honest. It's quite dead. Initially, yeah. it wasn't because it was just, all sort of wooden right, the right. room inside the room and you know the symbols could get out of control but now it sounds a lot more controlled um Man, that's, obviously that's, you can't get that you can't get that big sound in there <laughs> yeah but I mean? I mean i mean for what you're doing it's it's stylized it, yeah it, it's, like and, i mean that's the thing it's like when i it's you know you there's like seven thousand drummers on instagram and like you know for like to me you stuck out i was like oh this dude's Oh, thanks. Dope sounding shit. You know, besides you're playing, you know what I mean? So, you know, if you're going yeah. for the right thing, if you're not trying to go John Bonham in like a six by, it, six by five thing, it's it, all good, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think it suits essentially what I'm doing is a lot of beats and stuff like that yeah. where things need to be quite um, tight and controlled. So it, it works for what I'm doing. Um, yeah, so like like I was saying, with the, with the interface and uh, the the ADA, obviously I had to find a way to power that because my lights were battery powered. <laughs> wow. um, when I was using the H5 and the H6, those are also battery powered. Wow. Um, but my laptop is battery powered. Yeah. And luckily my, my my Mac has a lot of battery life. So I could use it for, you know, three hours. Right. And it would still be fine. Right. 
Um, but obviously with that, it's like, okay, what am I going to do there? So I ended up getting, um, I don't even know what it's called. It's one of those kind of power pack things that you'd probably use for, for camping or whatever. Yeah, some kind of... Uh, exactly. It's literally about the size, it's like the size of a mini briefcase, a tiny little thing. Okay. And it has like 200 watts of power. So I figured, okay, if it's 30 watts on the on the focus right and another 30 watts on the ADAT, that should last me for, you know, I don't know, four or five hours at a time, basically. Wow. Um, and then I just take it home in my in my rucksack and yep. in my on my bike home and I charge it when it needs to be charged, bring it back and it it, <laughs> it powers it up, which is crazy. I, I, love it. I literally don't even have any proper power there. Okay. So um, what are you what is your mic selection? So now so over the years I, I just over the years it's, it's been like a couple of years but i've been yeah. collecting <laughs> a few more mics it's so, been a um, long year man <laughs> yeah it's been a long year um, so, so basically since 2017 i yeah that's when i got my first sort of um sure uh 52 and an sm57 now i've got a few more sm57s okay um on the toms i use just an e sennheiser e604 okay. just because again that's just something i was used to seeing live so i just thought yeah. that's what we use on a lot of gigs the, yeah the little tiny clip on one yeah. Yeah. Um, and it sounds great i use those on the toms i use an sm57 on a hi-hat yeah. just because it's a lot drier yeah um and on the overheads i'm using so basically got um, someone, a friend of mine who's a drummer, sold me some mics, and it's just the Rode NT1, but it's like the original one from like the 90s. I think that got discontinued. I had one of those, uh, they were great, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's one of those from the 90s, and uh, he had two of those, and he sold me the those, yep. and they sound really good. And I use those as stereo overheads, and then I use um, my wife is actually a singer, okay. and she obviously has her own mics, and okay. um, she bought like a an AEA N22, which is a ribbon mic. Yep, great. And it's a really nice mic, and she paid quite a bit of money for it. And after about a year, she just didn't think it suited her voice. She wanted, you know, she wanted that rich yep. kind of U87 condenser kind of thing. Yep, yep. Um, so she was going to take it back to the shop in exchange while she would get a new mic. But it would only been a year, but they literally were offering her a third of the price that she bought it from. You were like, I'll so, that. <laughs> I literally said, I'll buy it. I'll give you, I'll give you a bit extra. <laughs> I, I took that. I'll give you 25%. I, yeah, literally. Literally, that's what I did. And I just used that as a mono overhead. So I used three overheads. Nice. And that just dark ribbon sound just yeah. really, really sounds really nice. Yeah. And just added a bit of warmth um, to the drums and, and more control because they the overheads in that small room, you know, it can get a bit much, but just adding that, you'd think, oh, it's a bit too much because you, you're having three overheads. But actually, the balance between that sort of stereo thing, if you're trying to make it quite wide, yeah, you can have that quite low in the mix and maybe have the mono one a bit higher or yeah. the opposite, depending on, you know, what you're going for. Yep. Um, yep. So, yeah, that's the those are the mics I'm using. Um, actually, on the kit, obviously using SM7 on the snare. Yeah. Um, and an E604 on the bottom snare. And, and actually, on, yeah, so on the kick, I was using the Beta 52 for a while and another sort of cheap, wide um, diaphragm condenser mic. But now I just started using another mic, uh, Audio Technica, uh -huh. uh, and it's called the AE2500. Okay. So, you know, they have the AE250, which is probably very similar to like a Beta 52. Yeah. Um, but this one is one the one that has two capsules. So it has a dynamic and a condenser mic um, oh. in, the, in the one mic. Okay. Yep. Um, so I use that at the moment on the kick drum. And it's obviously great for, you know, phase because they're right next to each other. They're, you know, they're in the same unit and it's just the two capsules together. Yep. And actually the dynamic um, capsule in it, in it sounds very similar to that okay. 52 you know um d1 d112 kind of vibe it sounds very similar to that so you, and then it has that condenser between, capsule you toggle between, you toggle between which capsule you want to use is like a switch or something no 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 so it has two xlr inputs oh, okay 
Right, okay. So you plug in two XLRs and you record both capsules at the same time. So you're getting two um, different tones, same, one two mic. Two different tones, yeah. One mic, two different tones, two different channels. Right. And then you choose the blend of how much of the condenser or the dynamic you want to use. You right. can have them both. Obviously, you can mix okay. them both at the same level or you can have one higher, lower, or just use one depending on what you're going for. Are you, are you are you putting that inside at all, or are you keeping so, it overhead, or how? At the moment, this is just outside of the bass drum, and at the moment, for the last year or so, I've been using just pretty much an open head. Yeah. Um, so, so there isn't really a head. There is a head. What I do, actually, is... So, basically, it's, it's a bass drum with no head, but what I've done is I've just cut out the strip from um, the outside, from, like, a PS3, a PowerShock 3. Yep. And just put that on, so the lugs are still attached, and you just have that thin. Um, That's the old ring. Bill Holland style, man. Like yeah, that. and it's just like, it means you can. It means you can just go into your bass room, do what yeah. you want. Um, and actually, it's kind of funny, but when you you know you take everything out, and you just want to play that big kind of open sound off the beater, yep. you still get you know a bit of tone. Yep. Even even with that small little strip round. Yep. Um, so yeah, th- those are the mics I'm using. At the oh. moment, um, I gotta check that out. It's the eight AT. What is it? So it, it is the AE twenty five hundred Audio Technica. Okay, cool. Yeah, check oh. it out. Yeah, it's a really good mic. Yeah, um, really good mic. Writing that down. That's- and definitely, yeah, you know, uh, over the you know going forward, I guess you know anything that sort of tickles my fancy, anything I see, I sort of try and check it out. Um, so you got one kit in there and like you got a couple snares in there like or- so yeah i've got uh, you know what i had obviously so <laughs> during <laughs> lockdown i had one kit you know that was my studio kit but obviously i have a lot of drums that i use live yeah and after about you know three four months in lockdown i just thought these drums are just wasting you know space at home i may as well start taking some of these okay back into the studio so i took my 18 inch kick drum and a few other toms in there and I've got a few snares in there yep. as well. And actually just the other day, so basically the guy who um, was the initial tenant for this place, um, he moved back to the Netherlands, I think. Yep. Yep. And he was leaving. So he, you know, recommended me to the landlord and just said, oh, you know, you could just be the next main tenant. And just You do what you want. And he was trying to get rid of all his gear. And he was just like, you know, I've got all these drums in here. Do you want these drums? I'll give you them for 130 pounds. And I was like, oh, well, I'll, you know, I'll take it. So there's a full drum kit and there's a bunch of symbols, like a, you know, a few Sabian symbols and some Zildjian hi-hats, all for 130 pounds, nothing. Wow. wow. And then um, I took that and I just kind of just left it in the back, you know, in the back room of the garage uh-huh. and just collecting dust. And then... I just started wanting to service some of my old drums and some of the stuff I have there. So I took it to one of my um, friends who's like a technician, yeah. a drum technician, and he services drums. So I was giving all my snare drums to sort out. And I thought, oh, let me just bring this drum kit because, you know, I've still got the, there's a 20-inch kick and a 14-inch floor tom. Yeah. And I just said, yeah, it's like an old Tama. And I just took it to him and he's like, oh, you know, that's like a, that's a 1980s uh, Tama superstar mahogany. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, and it, I, I had no idea. It was just there. <laughs> and it, he was like, you need to keep hold of this. It sounds great. And yeah. obviously, I, I just went straight away on eBay and found the 12. Um, great. So now he's just servicing that. And then that'll be another kit that I'll just keep in the studio to play on and get a different sound. Um, That's great, from, man. Which is cool. That's great. Um, so you keep all the drums in the garage and then whatever you need, you pull into your little... Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So there's like... It's all- <laughs> There's almost, there's like three doors. It's quite w- well sealed. There's the actual garage door. Yeah. And then you've got that sort of front sort of patio, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Yeah. And then there's, then there's like another middle section. Yeah. And then that's where I keep all the spare drums. And then there's just a small room where all my drum, you know, where I'm playing. Um, that's cool. So it's, it's no, very it, compact. And it feels secure, obviously. Right? Yeah, it feels very secure. Yeah. I'm not disturbing anyone. No one's complained, <laughs> um, which is cool. But yeah, it's crazy. Are you going to be able to get power in there or that's not really a thing? Um, do you know what? You could you could get power in there because um, there's a lot of... Um, so it's on a back back street, basically, behind a bunch of shops and there's a whole bunch of um, garages. Yeah, okay. Uh, and people rent them for different things. Obviously, people are storing um, cars in there. 
or old stuff or whatever. And there's also some builders and they've many times turned one of the garages into like an office. Yep. Um, And I've looked by, you know, I chat to them and they've got power in there. They've built all kinds of stuff in there. So it definitely can be done, but obviously the aim is one day to get into a bigger space where I can do a lot more because I definitely want to be able to do a lot more sound wise, but I'm still kind of milking this situation as much as possible. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure the rent is is cheap for it's, London, right? Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very cheap. And you know, whenever I've had offers or anyone say, "Oh, do you want to do a room share for this yeah. or that?" you know, it's really really expensive in Yeah. London. Yeah. And sometimes when I speak to people, I try and like get some advice from, you know, people and I, you know, there's obviously a lot of keen producers and really talented people who want to do stuff but sometimes i speak to other people and they just say save your money until you can do it in your own house or whatever you know and it'll be so much more worth it Um, yeah if you can roll it into a mortgage that's always great you know exactly yeah Yeah. when i look at other german like yourself what you've got what seems like you've got um, you know, Ash, I don't know if you know, Ash Sohn, he's got I, his own I, thing. I talked to Ash yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's yeah. got his own thing yeah. um, at home. There's another engineer called Julian Kindred. He's not actually a drummer, but okay. he records. He's actually from Canada, actually, um, initially, okay. but he's, he lives in London now. Okay. And he's got like an amazing sort of um, studio at the back end of his house where he records drums and I've recorded drums there a few times. Um, but it seems like that is definitely the way to go if you can. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's an interesting thing because there was a I had a period here where I really wanted to just go and be in a communal space, just for to be social, you know. But I could never yeah. buy. I mean, yeah, this is my garage. I built it out. It's part of my mortgage, and I just you know yeah. once you're know, like, why would I start chucking out an extra two grand or more <clears throat> for rent? Yeah, exactly. It's you know? it's just in the long run. It, it's a little bit, it's kind of money down the drain, really. Yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, a lot of people do it and they're made, you know, they're able to get great results and they're able to get a lot of work out of it. Or it could be for their own individual projects. And it's, you know, they, they literally just can't do it. I'm fortunate that I've managed to find a space that was my practice space and tried to get creative with it and made it into a space that I could actually do some stuff um, from there. Yeah. Um, I, I know you kept asking me about in terms of like selling stuff. That's what I started doing in lockdown yeah. um, because I was started, um, you know, carried on sort of doing my videos online and just every now and again, you know, I'd get people being like, oh, can you send me that beat? Or can you send me that beat? And after a while, it's just like, it felt like every other beat, someone would be like, oh, can you send me that, send me that? And then I just thought, I think it was, um, it was last August, so August 2020, I just thought, let me just put, all my beats that I'm uploading to Instagram be very specific and purposeful every single time now that when I go in, I'm going to record a specific vibe at a specific tempo and just put it up and load it up onto a band camp, a yeah. band camp page, which I made. Yeah. And if anyone wants it, it's just there. And I just put the link up and anyone can do what they want with it and they can buy the beats, which is cool. Wow. Um, and that's what, you know, that's worked out well for me. I haven't made like, a ton of money from it or anything like that at all but it's it's constantly you know just reminding people that you know i do have a space yeah and can record drums for people and people have asked me to do you know little projects from them for, for them at, um, yeah. from my home yeah yeah um <clears throat> which is most, cool. most importantly it's like you're you're capturing a vibe in there and that's why yeah you know, people can program anything you know but you're exactly you're, yeah, yeah connecting vibe wise even especially through a phone right they're like oh like yeah yeah yeah. capturing somebody's attention for them to want to use it on a tune you know you're setting off something yeah and exactly because there are some people for example who've used um some of the beats and they've gotten me to either you know re-record it or they've gotten me to just record their whole ep for them or whatever and it's just, you know, if you listen to obviously music now compared to 20 years ago, it's not that, you know, it's not super hi-fi, clean sounding, yeah, quality sounding drums. It's stuff with quote unquote vibe, you know. Um, it can sound like trash and actually trash is what people yeah. sometimes are after. Do you know what I mean? A friend of mine turned me on to this record yesterday called Yola, an artist named Yola. Okay. 
And uh, Dan Auerbach, the guy from the Black Keys, produced it. And oh, nice. he's really figured out this thing where it sounds like it could be from like 1971, but there's low end. There's like a there's like a modern low end to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Real kind of head mess. You're kind of like you're like, well, records didn't have that much low end back then because it's really you know it's nice and full and and smooth. But yeah, yeah, it has that crunchy you know vibey thing where it's it's pretty it's you know yeah yeah it's a cool thing yeah. What kind of space would you love to be in? You know what I mean? Because, you know, you figured out a really cool thing in this little kind of janky space, right? And like, mm. you know, like, a, like, you know, it, it, it might, it would be interesting, you know, if you're like, oh, I found this dope studio and it's really beautiful and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, my, I got to find my thing again, you know, and like a. Yeah, <clears throat> I know what you mean. Because um, even when I've done, you know, like I said earlier, when I was in, in my rehearsal studios, and everyone would go home, I'd pull out my interface and start recording my drums. I remember I'd take them home and I'd just be like, well, like, yeah, this doesn't, this doesn't sound like, you know, me. Yeah. <laughs> um, the sounds, the sounds are very different. That bass drum doesn't sound as tight. Uh-huh. Um, and then you're thinking, okay. And you can't, you also, when you're learning these things, as I am, you sometimes go through a phase where you're just putting the same old sort of tricks and, processing on everything and you realize you can't just do what you usually do because it's a different sound in the room yeah um so yeah like ideally i'd love to have you know a, a big to be honest i would say i'm not like that um great at sharing so definitely a space like how you have in terms of being at home and just being on your own would be ideal for me obviously my wife is a singer so she you know, she does all that kind of stuff. So we could definitely do something together. But I'm definitely not into the whole commercial space and having three or four people mm-hmm. um, sharing or I don't know. Yeah. Um, but definitely, like you're saying, I guess I'd ideally like to have somewhere maybe if I could have, you know, one big room and a smaller room where I could still maintain that kind of sound that I've gotten used to and really gotten a lot out of. And then be able to do much bigger sounding um, recordings as well. Um, yeah, that would, that would definitely be amazing. So, you, so you have a desire to be able to expand your your kind of your your your, your oh. sonic palette in, in that. Yeah, definitely. I'd, um, yeah, I'd love to be able to, you know, create more sort of diverse sounds naturally at the moment. I'm obviously trying to get different sounds from this one small room. So sometimes I'll mess around with stuff yeah, to yeah. try and make this tiny room sound as big as possible. Hey, what's but the I'd most, love to. What's the most effective way you're finding to to do that? To do that, yeah. um, well, recently um, on the last few things I did, I took an SM7 into the next door bit, so it's outside of the room, okay. and I had a 14 inch floor tom there and it's 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 a it's like bricked out that bit that bit as well so it's just okay. brick and concrete yep. and i just put the floor to them then i just put sm57 on top of the skin and obviously it resonates and i just shut the door and i was playing and it just sounded like you you kind of get that obviously that overtone of the yep. the floor tom and I just you know ran that through some compressors you know some stuff on sound toys or whatever you know some you know the devil lock and mm-hmm. the capitator and it just kind of really brought out this big sound you know very still very overtony but when i found like i blended that in and maybe sent a reverb from that channel as well it kind of had quite a big sound that sounded uh, pretty cool that's that's um, pretty interesting man so you thought i'm like i'm gonna use tom bleed essentially yeah chamber in a sense yeah because it just had a bit of a ring and uh a fr- I, I was telling one of my friends and he said oh you should try the same thing which i'm still going to try now and um actually open up the head and so you take off one of the skins and lie it upside down and just put the sm57 inside and see what that sounds like and he, he reckons it'll sound really cool so that's the next thing i'm gonna try um, um it's fun that's funny because you know the whole name of the game these days is you know tom bleed and anything is like no 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so exactly. now and that's that's i mean that's one of those things about recording that you 
you know, that's so fascinating to me is like, you know, part of the reason uh, uh, a drum kit sounds like a drum kit is because everything is vibrating together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. The reason, again, like John Bonham sounds like John Bonham because all that shit is just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. one organic thing moving together. So the fact that you like stuck in this dead space and you're like, well, I'm going to take that thing that no one wants, <laughs> but turn it into like that is that's. Yeah. And, and it's cool because you have control of it as well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be in a mix. You don't have to use that channel, yep. um, but just having it as an option. Okay. So really uh, here's cool. another question. Did, were you doing this for a tune or just for like drums? So this was just for drums, but actually I was, so I'm, I'm always trying to find ways to inspire myself in terms yep. of, you know, because after a while, you can only do so much just playing drums. Um, yep. So sometimes I would find tunes that I really like. Sometimes I would take samples. I'd cut a little section of the tune where there's no drums. Mm. And then I'll just cut it up and do all kinds of stuff with it and essentially try and turn it into some sort of a tune. Okay. And then recently I've been trying to just make a bit of music. Um you know, some rough chords or whatever, chuck it together and use that to inspire a vibe. Um, But also I'd be still be quite specific. So I'd actually pick an artist that I like. So on the last one, I remember I picked an artist called Nick Hakeem because he has a really cool sound. And I thought, let me go for something that sounds in that kind of realm. Okay. And that kind of inspired me to when I listened to the record that I was trying to go for, I was like, okay, the drums sound quite big. Yeah. Um, it's still controlled, but it's, it's very, there's a lot of ambience to it basically. Yeah. So that's what made me think when I was recording it, okay, let me try and see if I can get that from somewhere else other than, you know, a reverb on, you know, on some plugin or something right, like that. Right, right. Um, and again, also when I'm doing those kind of things, like you said, in terms of, you know, people, um, you know, not wanting the toms to be, you know, ringing and stuff like that. Sometimes if I want a bigger sound, I just don't gate the, the you know, don't gate the tom mics. Yeah, yeah. And it just sounds bigger and better. And if you want it to be really tight and, you know, hip hoppy or whatever it is that you're going for, obviously, right. if you're not using those mics, that's, that's great. If you are, you know, gating them or I know some people sometimes just cut it out from the sections they're not using, yeah. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. But I found, yeah, if you wanted that bigger sound, actually just not gating those drums is really cool. Um, yeah, that's, or- that's actually thought. That's actually what I thought you would say because mm. without really having like physical room to expand the room sound. Yeah. Uh, but the idea of the mic on it, that's a whole nother level, which is dope. And one thing I thought of is like, if you were using that for a tune, whether you tune the head to maybe the tonic of the, of the tune. Yeah, so this is, a, so obviously this is something I've only just started doing a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And although it was great for what I did, um, they actually, raw, the raw file actually sounded really cool. Mm-hmm. And then when I started messing with it, obviously more and more of that overtone was really coming out and maybe becoming a bit overbearing. Yeah. So actually that's definitely something to look into in terms of actually, I just kind of placed the mic on this extra tom. Yeah, it's sure. F- yeah, yeah. Funny enough, funny enough, it was actually that Tama tom. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I've, like, I've heard that's what those Tama super steers are good for. You know, you just put a mic on top of the head. That's a thing. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what it's used for. Literally, that's what it's used for. In my studio. Right. It's literally lying on the floor and it's a, and just collecting dust, and I'm just right. putting a mic on top of it. Yeah, there you um, go. So. Um, yeah, that's something to look into. Maybe tuning that tom and yeah. making it sound, you know, it, it, pulling it in the key of the song. Maybe, maybe I'm playing. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So it could, yeah. So it could actually be a useful tone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, there's all kinds of. I tried putting a mic in a hose there once, and it just didn't work in yeah. that room. Yeah. I've seen people do those kind. You know, check out little videos online, see what people are doing, and it seems to work for them. Yeah. Just it, it didn't work for me in that room. At yeah. All. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I've tried to put a mic on the floor and see what it sounds like, but again, in that room, doesn't. It's not really working. I think. I think every room's, you know, obviously every room's different. You're gonna get. Um, yeah, some people find a corner that works. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's again. So I've seen people put a mic right over a symbol that's sitting on the floor. 
Okay. It's, it's never worked for me, but I've seen it many times. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's all kinds of tricks that, again, people find with their room where something yeah. somehow resonates. And and also sometimes I think, as like, you know, how we were saying about the tuning of that song, sometimes those tricks can actually just work for one song, not even necessarily in a room. They might just work on one song and right. you could try it the next week on another track and it'll just sound out of place and not sound right. Yeah, but right. I think half the point is though it's something that is in your knowledge in your back pocket. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and when you go on a real session at some point, you know you're looking for something, or an engineer's looking for something, or an artist or something, and you're like, well, I got yeah. an idea. You know, I've done this before. Maybe this is the thing that's going to add yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Add the the whatever, man. You know. And and I think that's what I've really liked about my room and sort of why I try and you know hold on to it as long as possible is that it's very limiting. Yep. And it's forced me to explore different yep. things. And you know, I feel like it's you know it's a really hard training essentially. Um yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really helped me, especially with like mic positioning and stuff like that. And because in that kind of small room you can get all over the place. You don't have nowhere for the reflections to go. Yeah. And my drum tuning has had to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, cause some of those drums, um, I could be even like a snare drum, for example, I could have literally just used it on a gig. Sounds amazing. You're playing in a big room. You take that same snare drum, you pull it in the studio and it, the ring on it just sounds awful. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much dampening you put on it. There's still like an annoying tone <laughs> that's just, or a note that you don't yeah. really want. Yeah. Um, and I found that being in that sort of tight room has helped me you know, figure out ways to try and really make the drums as clean as possible in terms of the tuning. Um, I remember I saw you do something with your hi-hat. So I remember I was telling you, I think I messaged you ages ago. Uh-huh. Um, and you were talking about um, hi-hat volume and you were uh-huh. using two hi-hats on the bottom. Yeah. yeah. And I'd seen so many people do that before. And I just always thought, well, what's the point in doing that? You know, right. why are you... Why are you wasting your nice hi-hats, you know, <laughs> with two on the bottom? And then I saw you do that video and I was like, oh, that's interesting because I'm hearing the difference in yeah. the tone. Yeah. And I, would, I was always struggling. I was using, um, in the studio, I use 14-inch uh, uh, K Constantinople's mm-hmm. and they sound really nice. I was using them live a lot and they just sound amazing. Mm-hmm. But in the studio, in that small room, it's just always like just a high pitch frequency that was just always kind of like ting ting you know you can always yeah. hear it yeah and you know it was really really bugging me especially when i added a hi-hat mic it's like okay can i even use this it's a bit annoying you can eq it out obviously yeah. but I, I really wanted to just you know it for it to sound right at the source mm-hmm. um, and i saw your video i instantly just put another 14 inch symbol that i had lying around put it inside and it sounded like the symbol i've been trying to get for ages this is like that is that's actually how I've always wanted my hats to sound. I felt like for years, I've, you know, I'm sure every, you know that like how every drummer is on the search for, you know, their favorite or perfect ride symbol, and sometimes yeah. it's the hi hat. For me, it's always been like the hi hat, just yeah. trying to find the perfect pair of hi hats. Yeah. And I didn't realize in just doing that, it just got really to the sound that I was actually always wow. hearing in my head, which is super tight and yeah. controlled. Because um, so I don't that- really put. Is that only a studio thing now or you're doing that live? Straight away, just did it live. As soon as things open up in the pandemic, um, I was playing on some other hi-hats that I was using, some 15-inch Coropes, and they sounded really nice. And as soon as I thought of it, I was like, wait a minute. I, I can." I think the engineer pointed out the high ting, ting, ting. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's really annoying. And the next day, I just brought in another 15-inch cymbal, put that on the bottom of it. And it just sounded amazing straight away. So now it's just a thing I just do all the time, to be honest, if I can, or oh, if, it, wow. if I feel like it's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I was ever playing something a bit more looser um, or stuff, maybe stuff's a sure. bit more rocky or singer songwriting, actually some of those overtones sound really nice. Sure. Um, but for a lot of the stuff I was doing or I'm doing at the moment, it's uh, it's kind of in the way, really. Yeah. I actually have like certain sets of hi-hats where I, that's, I just do that because they're on their own. They're just funky. Like, yeah, exactly. Funky in a bad way. So I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to use these. It just, that's just happens. 
exactly. Yeah. And that's how I've gotten, specifically in that studio, I feel like that's just the way to do hi-hats. It's a really small room. The reflections are all over the place and it kind of just brings out that high frequency that I don't really like. So I just feel yeah. from yeah. now on, when I'm in the studio, I'm probably just going to do that all the time anyway. Yeah. And then when I'm playing live, it's just um, as I see fit, you know, yeah. if it feels like it's needed. Really. Yeah, yeah. I think that'll work on this on a Dave tour that's coming up. I f- oh yeah, I, I see think, that working well. <laughs> I mean, I've used on um, on the uh, setup because um, I did one. I've only done one show with him in the summer. Okay, and I did that with the fifteen inch uh, hi hats. I just I had two on the bottom. Yeah, and it was it was perfect. Man, so yeah, it's great. Man, I. I got to say, it's pretty inspiring, man, to some of your, your <laughs> ideas, you know, oh, like you got my brain turning a little on some of these. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really I'm really curious about the the floor tom thing. You know what I mean? My, yeah. my work is a little more live than that. And I'm always my thing is I'm always trying to get a little more dry, you know, especially these. Okay. Days. But I just think that what you're talking about sonically is just like an interesting idea, no matter yeah, what yeah. or anything. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like everybody and, has like like I got fifty drums sitting in this room over here. Just depending on where it is in the room, I'm just gonna put a mic on one of them and just yeah, yeah, exactly. Just put a mic on one of them, yeah. or or a bunch of them, and see yeah. you know see you know how you've seen people do that thing sometimes where they they play a snare and they put a tom on top of the snare and they play that. It's like almost that kind of you could just experiment yeah. with a few drums and just see. Yeah. See how it sounds. That's, I mean, that's the other idea is put a snare on there, get the snares resonating with the yes. top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, like a noise bed <clears throat> that could be cool. Exactly. And it could, there will definitely be tunes where actually that kind of vibe is going to sound, you know, really good. And yeah, like um, old, old vinyl or something. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's just, it's just, but it's just going to add something, you know, some of these producers and engineers will just be like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. Maybe I'll just chuck that in. Or do something really cool with it. Um, I think we should cut this part yeah. out of the podcast, and so no one can steal yeah. ideas. Let's keep, let's keep it to <laughs> <laughs> uh, But I think it's you know, I think it's just really cool to just constantly just sort of be on the lookout, and I think that's why I like the whole online thing and the Instagram and the YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of what I, a lot of the time it can be quite annoying, and sure, yeah. Also, it can take over your life a bit, but actually. If you if you're following the right people, the people that you're into, there's so much just to learn from what everyone yeah. is doing. Yeah. Watching your videos, watching Ash's videos, or Aaron Sterling or whatever. Uh-huh. All these guys are just doing amazing things, and every time I see it, I'm just like, oh, that's a cool thing. Oh, you had a Brody Simpson as well. I watch all his videos. I'm just like, yeah. okay, trying he, to figure out how he's getting that sound and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, he, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, people are so deep. I think. I mean, you're hitting on two really good points. One, inspiration from other people in their that in their spaces, but also like the limitations that you have, and just being forced to find find ways to to get what you're hearing. Yeah, um, yeah. The limitation thing is huge, and like you know, I talk about that just with mic setups a lot. You know, like you know, I, I, sometimes I'm worried about repeating myself on this thing a lot, but one, <laughs> one thing that I, I, you know, it's, it's too much work to do really, but the idea of actually like taking all the mics down and then when you, when you get a tune to record to like, go like, okay, I'm only going to set X amount of mics up to really capture the sound and not just have a standard setup, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, what, you know, that gets very time consuming, which, you know, most people don't have. Right. Yeah. But, but I love the idea of that. Like, I'm only going to set up what is really necessary for this, you know? And, and I think that's another thing as well that, you know, over the last year or two that I've been learning is obviously trying out different mic setups and configurations. I definitely went through a period of trying just the mono overhead, you know, with some close mics and seeing how that sounded and yep. the stereo pen and I tried like the Glenn Johns recorder man and stuff like that and see how that sounds. And I'll just, you know, I'll find a setup and I'll just leave it for a couple of weeks and yeah. then try something else. And yeah. I think what can be tricky, I guess, for the mind is sometimes I find if you find something that really works, you kind of get scared to, you know, uh-huh. to take it down because like, right. oh, it's right. really working. Yeah. I really want to do it. But then when you do it, you know, you come across something else and say, oh, this actually sounds really good. And like you were saying before, it's just another thing to put in the locker. So, you know, yeah. 
okay, that's the setup that works with this yep. kind of stuff. Yep, yep, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. It becomes like vibes, right? You're like, okay, I know yeah. what this mic setup does in this room, and I got, you know, when the right tune comes in, and it may be once a year, like who knows? Yeah, but, and but, you can feel confident in doing it and not yeah. feel like you're sabotaging yeah. the track or yeah. losing something from another setup that you were using yeah. before. You just feel yeah. confident. Oh, yeah. do you know what? This recorder man setup actually is going to really work. Um, yeah, do you, you just that, go with it? Do you use it much? I've used it a couple of times. Yeah, I've tried it in my studio. And actually, I think I tried them. So I tried both and I tried to record a man and the Glenn Johns. I think in that small room, yep. the balance wasn't quite right for the Glenn Johns. Yep. Um, I actually was getting too much of like the floor tom mm -hmm. and the kick on one side. And I just found the balance. It just wasn't really working. Yeah. Um, that's something I'll probably revisit again. But the recorder man actually worked a lot better because it was a bit further away. Yeah. Um, from the floor tom and a bit further away from the kick. And okay. obviously it's very important to, you know, if you can try and make sure with the phasing and like, I think, I know a lot of people. That's one of the hardest setups, I think, to get right. Yeah, because I think, you know, a lot of people talk about doing the measurements and sometimes that can really work. Sometimes, obviously, as you would have heard, some of these guys, they just put them up and it just works and it, you know, <laughs> they just listen to it. It's yeah. just like whatever. Yeah. But um, I've definitely found for me, I think it's, I still think it's a good place to start if you're, mm -hmm. you know, if you've never done this before, you've just gotten a space and some gear yeah. to try and roughly set these things yeah. equidistant from the snare and actually go from there before you get confident and start yeah. throwing things around. I, I think the, the Glenn John setup is an amazing place to start. Yeah. And, and it's easy to add mics to that too. Add a snare exactly. mic to Glenn John's. It's like okay, cool, and then maybe, and then maybe a floor tom mic or whatever you need a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have something speak, but like that basic setup, I think, is an incredible learning tool. Definitely, and again, it will teach you about balance in terms of how you're playing. You know, um, yeah. Because that's something I've found. As soon as I was recording myself, I found, oh, I don't hit the toms that hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something I felt felt like I needed to work on. Still try and work on it. Actually, when I'm doing my fills, they start off kind of big on a snare and maybe on a toms i'm yeah. just kind of used to i feel like i can hear them fine so yeah. i'm kind of used to the tone that's coming up I'm just like, i like the way it sounds but actually on a recording if you're not using tom mics then yeah. you know that can get quite lost and not really come out at all yeah um, and a lot of that can be the tuning of the drums as well if they're too low sure um, they might not come out as well without no overheads but, as well i mean that's all relevant in everything in there right yeah. maybe something's yeah. just speaking at a certain frequency that's coming out more yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Are you are you friends with uh, Jeremy Stacy? I've only met Jeremy once. I'm not friends with him, but I've met him once or twice. I've seen him around. He's he's a, obviously an amazing drummer. Yeah, he's got amazing. good Glenn John stories from recording. With, okay. With the man himself. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. With that setup. So amazing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, because in fact, I think I've, I'm sure I've seen a, seen a video with Glenn John's talking about working with Jeremy Stacy. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, literally, it's that thing where Jeremy told me he, you know, he was like, "Oh man, something's something's loud," and Glenn's like, <laughs> "Fucking don't hit it so hard, man." It's like, <laughs> and Jeremy is an incredible drummer, right? Like, yeah, like, like that guy is balanced and whatever. But you know what I mean? It's still like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's your problem, man. That's the way he looks at it. It's know? so funny you mentioned about hitting hard because um, I was playing in like a club recently, a few months ago. And it's like a really small club and they have a little, you know, the Ludwig, the Questlove little Ludwig kit. Yeah. They've got one of those. But it's a really small venue and they don't like for people to play loud. And I hadn't really played there. And I was talking to the engineer and he was just like, yeah, you know, the first thing he came to me, you know, just came in my face like, yeah, you know, you need to play soft. There. I was like, it's cool. I can see the room, you know, I'll play the room. Yeah. You know, it's going to be fine. He's like, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of drummers come here and they say they can play quiet and then they just start, you know, absolutely blazing the drums and it's like i can't use it because right. i can't put them in a system it's too it's too loud right. and then um he just said to me yeah so if you find yourself whilst you're playing during the gig if you feel like you're enjoying yourself then you're playing <laughs> then you're playing too loud <laughs> and i was like you know what that's actually a great line i'm gonna remember that <laughs> you have to be uncomfortable yeah if i'm enjoying myself then i'm playing too loud right now that's quite funny so if you're ever in a, if anyone's ever in a tight situation in a small gig, and you need to keep that the dynamics down, focus on not enjoying yourself. I, I'll tell you what, most of my career has been shit. Then, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. Uh, that's great. That's I mean, I, I th- yeah. The interesting thing is, if anybody actually has their awareness while they're playing, they're probably not the the right guy to be telling that to anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually going to have that thought come back through. While <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, man, thanks, man. This has been uh, super enjoyable. I appreciate. Yeah, it. man, it's been great. You taking the time, and you know, I, yesterday was like a conundrum. You know, me. Oh, this <laughs> time I gotta go. I gotta, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's cool. Good, man. It's great to finally see a face, meet you, and chat to you. It's great. Likewise, man. And uh, please, man, if you come through town, get coffee. I- I'd love to come hear you play in person. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, hit me. Man, up. that'd be great. I'd love to love to do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Samson. All right, great. Have a good night, man. And, All right, uh, you too. We'll talk. We'll talk again soon on on the old IG. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right see you later. Take care.